0: People who perform autopsies, what's the weirdest shit you've seen, please like and subscribe to support us. I did a forensic pathology rotation in medical school in Florida. Was working there one day when they brought an old guy in who had been found in his apartment in the middle of the summer with no air conditioning after about a week, so he had decomposed pretty quickly. When bodies decompose the bacteria inside you eats the tissue and releases gas, so bodies tend to be bloated. So when they unzip the body bag I wasn't surprised to see that. But I was surprised to see that his scrotum was about the size of a football, no exaggeration. This apparently occurred via the same bacteria process. Anyways, I was being keen, and I think they liked me, so they took a large bore needle and stuck it into the scrotum to let the gas escape. Then, they took a lighter and lit the end of the needle, so as the gas was escaping from the scrotum, it burned like a blowtorch. Lasted for about 20 seconds. They justified the process by saying it decreases the smell in the lab talk about seeing things that very few other humans have the scrotum blowtorch current pathology fellow board certified not in forensics though participated in 80 autopsies weirdest slash scariest case house fire one body recovered after one plus hour of burning body completely charbroiled rigid limbs curled up against the torso we raid the chest abdomen and head to see if there is anything of interest before dissection metal fragments in the chest Hmm. Do the autopsy. The internal organs are largely intact despite the significant heat damage to the skin and soft tissue. This is not unexpected, I learn. There is a large, greater than 1 liter, hematoma in the chest. There is about a 2 cm jagged opening in the posterior wall of the right ventricle and in the anterior left lateral wall of the right ventricle. Metal fragments embedded in the left lung. Tracing backwards from the heart. A path is found through the posterior thorax with an possible entrance wound in the upper back. Yikes, he was shot? Detectives arrive to morgue. Say they've got the homeowner slash roommate in custody. They're interrogating him right now. He owns a gun. He's been having frequent noisy arguments with the dead guy slash tenant that have been observed by neighbors and reported to the police. He was away from home when the fire was happening, claims no knowledge of any of this, has no idea what happened to either his house or the dead guy. Detectives high-five each other when we tell them he's been shot and it's definitely homicide. We find out later after they fully interrogate the homeowner, he confesses to shooting the roommate in the back while he is sleeping and then torching his own house to try to hide the evidence, the roommate was actually his tenant and he wouldn't move out, so he killed him, scary stuff. I shadowed a medical examiner several times but the weirdest thing I ever saw still kind of haunts me. There was a woman that died suddenly and had all these bruises on her body. There were detectives and cops all around us because they thought it was a case of domestic violence. However, she was schizophrenic and was not on any meds. During one of her episodes, she would beat herself violently and self-inflict all of these bruises and wounds on her. But the way she died was crazy. She beat herself so much that these bruises developed huge blood clots and broke off into the bloodstream. They eventually ended up in her lungs, pulmonary embolism. We opened up her lungs and they were just full of blood clots. Her legs were full of them too. She basically beat herself so much that she suffocated. It was so odd. My mother is a physician and has always loved telling her cadaver lab story from medical school. At the very beginning of the semester, the med students were paired up with their cadaver. The professor had a policy that if the med student could convincingly attribute cause of death, they would earn some bonus points. My mother was discouraged because her cadaver was an old white haired lady and death by old age is a difficult task to prove. Much to my mother's surprise, she was the first to earn said bonus points, her sweet old grandmother cadaver had died from being shot and stabbed multiple times in the back. For many years my father was a homicide investigator. He's seen lots of dead bodies. One time, they were all standing around this freshly killed body that had just started going through the rigor mortis process. All of a sudden, the body sat up. Five grown men, all of them tough Texas good old boy cop nearly shit their pants and started running out of the house screaming. The medical examiner who was there had a great laugh. Another time, they got a call from a woman's neighbors that they hadn't seen her in days and her car hadn't moved and the mail was piling up. So they went over to check it out. When they got there, they found that she had hung herself from her high vaulted living room ceiling. By the time anyone arrived, her neck had snapped and the skin had stretched. Her neck was about 5 feet long and her knees were on the floor. I'm probably way too late to the game but. I interned at our county coroner's office for a summer for college credit. Saw several dozen autopsies. The first and most haunting one was of a child who had set some things on fire in his grandmother's trailer and then hidden under the bed to keep from getting in trouble. The pathologist had to verify whether he had died of the resulting fire or if he had died of smoke inhalation. He was curled into basically the fetal position kind of hugging his knees. He was totally blackened and charred. The waistband of his jeans and the tops of his socks had semi-protected his legs so you could see some severely burned skin there but it was the only humanisque looking part of him. As soon as the first incision was made revealing the body cavity the coroner stated carbon monoxide and exited the room while the pathologist continued. Apparently when you inhale large amounts of carbon monoxide your blood and organs turn this crazy cherry pink color. The body's position with the knees to chest is another indication. He was unconscious and died before any flames ever came in contact with his body. The smell was insane. Kind of a mixture of burnt popcorn and the smell your blow dryer makes when your hair gets caught in it. It looked so incredibly fake that if the actual body were to be used as a Hollywood prop no one would have found it to be believable. Most interesting and horrifying summer of my life. (laughs) A friend of mine was a hospice nurse for a time. She told a story about one of her patients dying where the man was sitting in a chair and then keeled forward on his knees and face planted on a tile floor. She arrived to do the paperwork and the crew came to remove the body they had to tell the family to go wait outside while they took care of it. By this point Rigor had set in so when they tried to pick him up he was stuck in this crouched over position. Even worse his face had taken the exact shape of the linoleum floor and all the blood had pooled into his face so it looked like a bunch of raisins that had been flattened against glass. To will him out they had to drag his body out of the room then throw it up on a gurney so he looked like a turtle on its back except with his raisin face. She said it was by far one of the weirdest things she's seen in her 20 plus years as a nurse. One of my best friends is an autopsy tech at a hospital that allows her to actually cut into the person. One day she was called in for an autopsy on an older woman. She said that when she walked into the room, the other techs asked her if the woman looked strange to her. My friend responded that she looked a bit too thin but nothing else seemed off. The other techs told her to roll the older woman over to see something. When she did. The woman's back was completely gone as well as a bunch of organs. Turns out the old lady had died in a chair and slumped over when she passed. She had a couple dogs and after a few days the dogs got a bit hungry and ate out her back and some organs. Another weird one was from when she went in to get a testicular sample, since she has the smallest hands of the Tex, and found a penis pump instead. She said they had a good laugh at that and were all also a bit grossed out. Grossest she did was a burn victim who smelled like barbecue. Saddest, and most common, are babies whose parents smothered them by accident in bed. I was an autopsy assistant for a few months before going off to college. I did 15 autopsies in the 3 months I was there. 10 or 11 were suicides. 8 were under 25, 2 just over 40. Stupid stupid reasons too. Weirdest thing I saw was probably a few DVTs the size of my thumb in each calf. The woman had broken her ankle but was very overweight. She was told to walk after she got her walking cast but didn't. One of the DVTs broke off and caused a PE. She was only 50 I believe. Another one, 21-year-old guy, his girlfriend dumps him, so he gets in the car and plows into a retaining wall on the highway. Car stopped, his body stopped, but his heart kept going. Everything transected and fell into his torso. Car then burst into flames, we received a charcoal briquette of a person that had to be identified by dental records. His cooked brain looked like a boiled egg and the group of friends who had a bet on who could commit suicide first. One guy made it to us after many attempts. I swear he wore three pairs of pants just to fuck with me. We realized that our pedestrian versus train from a week before was one of the friends in this pact. Not really an autopsy, but, my parents were both EMTs for 23 years. In the late 1980s, they got a call from a woman who said her husband might be dead. They got to the house, and when the woman answered the door, they asked where her husband was. She pointed out into the snow-covered yard and said, I think that's him over there. They looked to where she pointed, and saw a snow-coated lump with two shoes sticking out. They uncovered the man, who apparently had had a heart attack while shoveling snow, and picked him up. He was so stiff, they didn't need a backboard. They attached the monitor leads, as required, and got a perfect heartbeat. This guy was frozen solid, but had a perfect heartbeat. They found out, when they got him to the hospital, that he had a pacemaker. The old monitor was reading its pulses. I'm late to the party, but I manage apartments and unfortunately I'm sometimes the first one to find a dead body when I do a welfare check. But the weirdest case that has ever happened was last December. I went to do a home inspection before renewing a lease routine at our complex that had been scheduled for a few weeks. The residents in question were a couple in their mid-50s. When I got to the home, it smelled bad but I knocked anyway and one of the residents opened the door. The smell was overwhelming. She acted like everything was normal and I entered. It was quickly apparent she was off her rocker. When I entered the second bedroom, I found her husband dead, propped against a wall and surrounded by food she had cooked for him. The body was bloated and blood was pooling under the skin, but she talked to him like he was alive. I called the police and she was hysterical. I felt so bad. They were both so nice and normal when I had dealt with them before. The coroner said he had been dead about a week. So my high school offered a forensics class. It was by far my favorite class that I took. We got to watch a ton of videos and do a bunch of research on the John Benet Ramsey case. And part of our final grade was to write a paper on who killed her. Super interesting, but I digress. The class used to take field trips to the morgue to watch an autopsy. This stopped a year or two before I was in the class. However, my brother, three years older than I am, was able to go on the field trip. The day they went the cadaver was an old woman who was raped by a broomstick. He said only about a foot of the broom was sticking out. Now I'm not sure if he actually saw this or if the pathologist told them, but still. (laughs) I'm not a coroner but I did work for one when I was only 15. Well I worked for his friend who was an undertaker. We would pick up the bodies and drop them off at the coroner's office or at funeral homes. Keep in mind I was only 15. But one day we got a call to pick up a body, it was a suicide. This guy was at least 6 feet 5 inches. He hung himself in a trailer park, off of his balcony, which was only 4 feet off the ground. So his knees were on the ground but he was hanging. He must have done it wrong and suffocated because when we pulled him off the chains he let a gasp of air out. I nearly shit myself. And the cops at the scene laughed at me. They'll never forget that. I have a bunch of stories from my work as a 15 year old if you guys want to hear more just let me know had the honor of discussing with a soldier in charge of forensics for military examinations and he told us this story. Death at a refuge camp. Woman. Apparently dead in her sleep. The persons in charge of cleaning her body noticed semen in her genital areas and gave the alarm. Due to the lack of personnel, the soldier had to help a doctor slash coroner determine the cause of death. Heart failure. No signs of violence. At least seven different male bioprints in her. They got very confused and could tell something was off, but not much more due to the language barrier. They then had the idea of calling a fake soldier and real translator on site, to figure out what her family and countrymen were saying away from the identified translator's ears. Turns out her father was a pimp, and he was prostituting her and her siblings for money under threats. There was a full network on camp he operated, and he had an absurd amount of cash hidden on him when he was arrested. He is now in jail in his country of origin, and his family have been offered protection by our government but I dunno much else beyond that. I worked in an animal hospital as an assistant for a couple years after high school. At one point we had a fawn-colored boxer brought in with several long tears in the skin of her back. Owners suspected a wild cat had gotten into the dog's outdoor run and flayed her. The wounds didn't match that theory, but we offered treatment anyway. The owner couldn't afford to treat and opted for euthanasia. After the deed was done, I was bagging up the body for the freezer and when I lifted it, the fur on the animal's back started falling off in clumps, revealing skin that was jet black and fragile. With the final hoist into the bag, the skin of the entire back sloughed off in a sheet, revealing a dense coating of maggots between the skin and the body wall. I called a vet over and her theory was that this dog had been left outside in her run for an extended period with no shade and had become so extremely sunburnt that the skin of her back had gone completely necrotic, and a colony of maggots took over the fatty layer beneath the skin. There was nothing we could have done for her, so euthanasia was the right choice, but those owners are completely responsible for the dog's death. In working there, I encountered many things that were horrifying, enraging, and sad, but this really capped it for me. I was an EMT back in the day, and we were responding to a car wreck where a new sports car had gone off-road and flipped several times. We had a newbie with us and this was his first trauma call and to say the least he was a little excited. We told him when we got to the scene, he was to hold C-spine for us while we worked the patient. The driver of the wrecked car was in bad shape, was ejected from the vehicle and judging by his crushed skull, was minutes from passing. Nevertheless, our little rookie ran over to the patient and grabbed what was left of the guy's head and held C-spine. On calls like this because of their rural location, the first responding police officer will often call a medical helicopter to respond also, as was the case here. Within minutes the man had passed, and we told dispatch to call off the helicopter and request coroner response. Fast forward to the next day, The ME office calls the station to ask who is missing a wedding ring. They had found a gold band inside the man's head. Turns out our little rookie was so excited he neglected to glove up before the call, and lost his wedding ring in the guy's head. We called him turbo from that day forward. This was not an autopsy, but it is an interesting case. A taxi arrived at 2 am to the ER at our hospital, and dropped a naked, barely able to walk, confused man. The taxi ran away. Then. The man is admitted to the ER, we had no data, no age, no past medical history, nothing but his first name. While in the ER, the man was stable, we took arterial blood gases, toxicology testing, etc. While doing an abdominal x-ray, because the patient seemed to have an increased abdominal circumference, suddenly the man becomes unconscious and could barely breathe. The x-ray showed something I've never seen, approximately 50 bags with a shape similar to a pill, maybe like a golf ball, but it was bigger. 5 cm, in all of the abdomen. We managed to intubate the patient and went directly to surgery. While in surgery, the doctors reported that the patient had 100 condoms full of cocaine all over the intestinal tract, but all of the bags were intact. But, while in surgery, they found out that the patient was undergoing an intestinal perforation and was intoxicated with alcohol and other drugs, but not with the cocaine, so he had the bad luck of having a perforated intestine while carrying the drugs inside him. The patient was just two days on ICU then got extubated, evolved well and was sent to jail the next week, he was even doing push-ups and squats at his room the last day. Med student here, in my country on the Institute of Pathology we were never sure when the body would arrive from the morgue. The autopsy would always be scheduled early in the morning and sometimes we would wait for hours for a body to arrive. On one such occasion we were waiting for about 4 hours and even started packing to go home. The doctors felt bad that we were going to miss an autopsy, so they asked for anything that can be delivered. An hour goes by and in comes a guy holding a garbage bag. They toss the bag on the autopsy table and out comes a seven-mouth underdeveloped fetus. He had down syndrome and poor guy didn't even make it birth. Not really related to anything found in the body, but the garbage bag struck me. I think I will remember this moment for the rest of my life. Was really sad that day. Back in the 2000s, like 2001 or 2002-ish, I used to make the run from Phoenix to Prescott almost weekly, usually at the ass end of the clock like 3-4 to AM. If you haven't ever been, I-17 is pretty much empty road between Phoenix and Anthem, except for the prison, and empty road again from Anthem to Highway 69, excepting a couple off-ramps for tiny towns like New River, BCC, and Rock Springs. It's two lanes, goes up a hell of a mountain, people used to overheat and stall out on it all the time before it got regraded down a bit, and lonesome, but kind of peaceful at that hour. You see maybe, I dunno, 20, 30 other cars the whole hour and a half drive, usually either passing them or them passing you. There's also no real service stations, emergency phones, nothing, and in large swathes, cell phone reception was really patchy back then. Seeing as I made the run once a week, I kept a lot of oddball shit in my car a big ol' wool blanket, couple gallons of water, box of flares, etc., and maybe once every two to three months I'd stop to help somebody out with a flat tire, overheated radiator, whatever. One night, I'm coming up on bumblebee slash crown king, which is about 40 minutes from my destination and 10 to 20 from where I leave I-17 to get on highway 69, and there's an obvious accident side of the road, looks like a jeep or SUV rear-ended a lumber truck, had to have just happened too as there's no flare or triangles out, no one's out walking around, etc. So I flip my hazards and brights on, and pull off to the side and I kid you not, the dude in the SUV is impaled on like 3 or 4 2x4's final destination style. One's clean through him in the driver's seat into the back footwell, his windshield is spiked up high almost half a foot above the vehicle. He was in shock, but conscious, but there really wasn't a whole lot I could do for him so I called 911 headed to the driver of the flatbed, he was out cold big ugly gash on the side of his face, steering wheel all mangled and bent to shit, so I assume he hit the steering wheel and is out. Emergency says they can get someone from Arcasanti up in about 20 minutes, so I head back to the SUV, dude still awake, crying, talking nonsense. I just sort of hunker down on my heels and hang out there, softly chatting with the guy, trying to keep him calm. Ain't a whole lot I could do for either of them. After about ten to fifteen minutes, he stops talking. Can't really see if he's still moving, but I keep chatting at him. EMTs roll up, tell me to get back, so I let them in to do their thing. Guy's dead. Flatbed's out with a concussion, maybe neck injury, so they backboard him and off he goes. Cops show up, take my statement of what I saw, which wasn't much since I got there. After EMT comes over wants to know if I touched the guy, tired to do any first aid, what have you, I tell him no, didn't see the point since I couldn't pull a 2x4 out of someone's gut by myself in the middle of nowhere. EMT tells me dude's gut was filled with lego blocks. Like hundreds of loose legos, all over in the wound, bloody legos on the floor and seat around him. They do not know if he swallowed them, or if they were loose in the car and went flying when he got impaled, or what, but dude says hes never seen anything like it at a road accident. The standard practice at the city morgue years ago was to book the body in, formally identify it to morgue staff, then search and log the property with it. This resulted in everything being removed from the body, including clothing. The property would be returned to next of kin. And deceased elderly male came in from a city nightclub, after having suffered a heart attack in the foyer. As usual we booked him in, then started to search for and log his property. You can imagine our surprise when we discovered a 30 centimeters long salami duct taped to his upper thigh, under his trousers. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.